hinting at that in the trailers, right? Because a big line from the trailers is, this time, no rules. And it's like, right. whoa, you mean last time when he murdered a whole family, that was <laughs> yeah. rules? That was those, rules those are rules? Whoa, dude. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 506 with our review of Sicario, Day of the Soldado. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Garson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week... We are joined once again uh, by by guest Carson Patrick, <laughs> longtime uh, fan of the show. <laughs> Thank you. Me um, and Cayman are the only ones keeping this together. <laughs> longtime lurker, three hundred fiftieth time caller. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yes, I mean we're we're here. We're reviewing a Josh Brolin film. We're reviewing a film that you uh, reviewed the original for. Um, so you know it's all. Synergistic and all that I, jazz. I actually was he on, on the review. Were, were you I, not on the review? I think he wasn't. I was not. No, I but remember I getting did. angry texts about Roger Deakins like a week later. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody mentioned Roger Deakins, obviously. Um, no, I wasn't on that. Uh, the first one, but I had the first movie in my uh, top five for uh, the year that that came out. Well, I remember that. Everything I said still holds. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, how, how are you guys doing? This fine evening, I'm doing good. Uh, so, Chris and I just came from a draft house Q and A of a movie that we will probably be reviewing after this, pending how late it is. <laughs> oh, gee, um, good luck! <laughs> yeah, so feeling good. Glad to have Carson with us again. Yep. How you doing, Carson? I'm good. I guess I'll take this time to uh, respond to uh, the the very. A nice comment that our number one super fan came in left us on the Infinity Brunch review because it was uh, pretty long and uh, I'm lazy so I just decided <laughs> to respond in person also I feel like I don't know if we ever got confirmation but I feel like uh, if we're pronouncing your name wrong came in like you can tell us because you know we don't want to sound like dumbasses like I just you know that's just how I assumed but uh, anyway, uh, but no, I wanted to to point out because uh, he did mention something in that comment. And I do want to say that, yes, I have seen the motion picture Gods of Egypt. And uh, <laughs> of course, of course I have. And yes, it is a, 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 a wonderful movie. Um, I was there opening day and uh, I don't th- I feel like I mentioned it on here before, but maybe not. Like, maybe it was only off air, but um, I know we didn't review it because I went back and, and and looked, and it had come out the same weekend as Eddie the Eagle and Triple Nine. First mm. of all, what a, first of all, what a weekend. But um, <laughs> sec- secondly... Three for three. Like, yeah, seriously. But like, secondly, you know, um, I think Chris had already triple nine himself uh, <laughs> over that movie, and then he nearly I, walked out of that movie, yeah. if I remember correctly. <laughs> I, I put that whole movie in my rear view, and then like I like used up all my energy to get him to go see Eddie the Eagle. So I feel like Gods of Egypt was just like totally out of the question. Yeah. Um, and which in hindsight, Eddie the Eagle, which 
was fantastic. Um, yes. And I loved, absolutely. Uh, I don't think I would have felt the same about the other film. But I had to convince him, which was, I, you know, that was a whole other thing. In hindsight, you shouldn't have needed convincing. Yeah, but I just didn't want to be a ski jumper. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, we talk about some of these movies that are... Uh, it's kind of hitting the so so bad it's good low. You know, it's in the same vein as like Seventh Son or uh, The Great Wall or The Last Witch Hunter. Um, yeah, it's just a, you know, it's a really like goofy, stupid, fun movie um, that features a lot of wonderful things such as G-Butts flying around on a golden chariot piloted why, by... Why a, do I feel like I've seen that before? <laughs> by, <laughs> by a giant scarab beetle. Um, yeah. And then, like, so I'm just gonna go, because he wanted this, so indulge me. Um, so the other two best parts of Gods of Egypt is that, two, it features a, uh, a pre-MCU Chadwick Boseman as, like, one of the gods. I don't remember which one, but he has, like, he has, like, multiplicity powers, so there's like a bunch of clones of him walking around and he's talking pull like a Loki. A, that's cool. <laughs> he like the in the movie, he speaks in like a really over the top British accent. So that's fun. Um, but the best part is that Jeffrey Rush plays the sun god Ra and they interpret Ra as this old dude sitting on like a glittery barge floating in space above. I shit you not a flat earth. So he's like controlling flat earth and like the sun with this like lever pulley thing. And uh, and at one point he's like talking to the main dude and there's there he gets hit, <laughs> he gets shit on by a bird. And you're just like and he's like, oh, like he says, like, oh, shit. And you're just like, <laughs> yep, he just got shit on by a space bird. <laughs> So my problem is I that's had, gods of Egypt. <laughs> I, I had heard some like so bad it's good talk about gods of Egypt when it came to I think like VOD is when a lot of people wound up catching it. Yeah. Um, and my problem is in my head that was the same movie as Exodus Gods and Kings for like a year. <laughs> so in my head I was like, oh yeah, I saw that. You know, foppish Ben Mendelssohn as a pharaoh or something. And, right. And it, and it wasn't until like fairly recently that i looked it up and realized that no gods of egypt is a totally different kind of bad movie and one yeah. that i probably like more than exodus gods and kings at least oh it was way better than that. i mean because exodus was like the serious take and this is like the completely <laughs> are they a take on unserious. the same thing technically <laughs> eh, not really but i guess same time period sort of but but does Christian Bale suddenly start speaking in a Scottish accent in this movie like he does <laughs> randomly a, in the middle of lot, God, well, Exodus Gods and Kings? Well, there's a G, G Butts has his uh, regular accent in the in the movie. I think like everyone had their own accent because they just didn't care. Um, but it was one of those movies that kind of like got the the whitewashing uh, controversial backlash and stuff. But it was they didn't like, even walk like Egyptians. You know, I mean, I just described to you Jeffrey Rush getting shit on by a space bird. I'm pretty sure the movie wasn't going for realism. So, um, yeah. And, yeah. And I feel like people did later, like once it came to DVD and stuff, they kind of started realizing it was uh, it was it's pretty fun. So there you go. Gods of Egypt. Go watch I'll it. I'll, I'll watch it. When I finish all of Game of Thrones, I'll, I'll go back and watch it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't know how Steven hasn't watched this on a plane outside of the fact that yeah, he thought he had like already a, watched it. That is yeah. probably why. 
I, I I'll I'll tell you right now that it's better than anything in Game of Thrones, and it stars Jamie Lannister. Oh, is in Gods of Egypt. He's the main guy in that. The sister fucker himself. Oh yes. <laughs> All right. Well, on the sister fucker note, <laughs> what do you say we get into a review of Sicario Deo the Soldado? All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for this film, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. I know who you are. You're the attorney whose family they killed. Not they. My father. And now you hunt them. Adios. There's proof the cartel helped the terrorists get to the border. The president's adding drug cartels to the list of terrorist organizations. You can understand how that will expand our ability to combat them. You want to see this thing through? I'm going to have to get dirty. Dirty is exactly why you're here. You're going to help us start a war. With who? Everyone. No rules this time. start a war between the Mexican cartels. Not with the Mexican government. This girl was witness to the mission, correct? Yes, sir. We can't risk her falling into the wrong hands. Clean the scene. They want me to cut ties. You gotta get rid of her. I can't do that. Don't put me in that situation. You gotta do what you gotta do. I'm gonna need a strike team to Blackhawks. Drones with attack capability. Where's the coup? Mexico. You have no reason to trust me. But trusting me is how you're gonna survive. Good luck. Luck doesn't live on this side of the border. All right, so that was the trailer to Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Um, basically, it was a follow-up to the film Sicario. And essentially, um, you know, the, the government is upset about these drug cartels letting terrorists into <coughs> our borders. And uh, they have decided that we are going to label drug cartels as terrorist organizations, which gives us some sort of power to go in and try to mess with them. And... Um, Josh Brolin's little ragtag group of mercenaries is sent in across the border to try to do some stuff that will possibly start a war between the various uh, drug cartels in Mexico. And, uh, yeah, we follow that attempt and uh, the aftermath of it. So, Chris, are we... you're going to huh? help me start a war. <laughs> on, on whom? With whom? <laughs> Everyone. With whom Everyone. shall we war? Everyone will snap my fingers and you're all going to be dust. Half of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Only half. I'm a nice guy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So anyways, um, 
So yeah, do we want do we do, do you want to start this one off, Carson? Do you want to do, do you want to start off sure. on some sort of level? Sure. The one guy, um, Army of One. I can go first. Um, yeah, like well, see, before I kind of got a sneak preview of how this was going to go, but that's okay. Um, but uh, I mean, I really liked the first Sicario, obviously, as I mentioned. Um, I you know, didn't ever think it would get a sequel because it didn't seem like it needed one at all. Um, and especially since, uh, Denis wasn't returning, but, um, I like the idea of Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro coming back. Cause I, I like their characters in the first movie, uh, especially Benicio del Toro. I thought his character was, was really cool in the first one. Um, so, the idea of having them come back and seeing that first trailer, I was like, all right, well, this is a movie I can get behind, you know? Um, and, uh, I mean, I think this movie totally delivered. In some ways, I think it's even better than the first movie. Um, in the same, take. <laughs> <laughs> and if I can get, get a, even more of a hot take, I think, like, if you were to compare the first Sicario to Jurassic Park, in that that is the classic that we all know and love... But this one is Lost World, which is kind of low-key the better one. You know, like, if you're going to put on a Jurassic... Now, to be fair, you, you didn't say Lost... Uh, fallen Kingdom, right? You're no, saying Lost no, World. no, not Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> there is not a person on the, the planet Spielberg that thinks was. the Lost World is better than Jurassic Park. I think it's... it's uh, Some of it's better. I mean, I thought it was better when I, I, I was like... I have memories of it. I can't actually argue that point. Jesus I'm, Christ. <laughs> the, Lost, the Lost World is an underrated sequel. Uh, the, Jurassic Park is one of the best films ever made. I know. <laughs> I agree. It's my favorite movie. Like, Lost I'm not, World is not anywhere close to it. Dude, Lost World is is up there. Dude, have you have you seen it? Go rewatch it. I yeah, know, you don't, I know it. you don't have time for anything, but go rewatch it. Lost World sounds like Chris's wet dream of a <laughs> long-form mystery box TV show. <laughs> Dude, did you check Lost World? <laughs> the um, robots know, are on an island. I know it's not Westworld, but I mean, it's it's got Jeff Goldblum, so... Um, anyway, but I just think that the Lost World, for me, like, that, that movie took what you loved about the first Jurassic Park, which was Jeff Goldblum, and it just doubled down on that, and it gave you, like, a bunch of, like great zingers and it, it gave you more dinosaurs and action and like if you're gonna I, we, if you're gonna put on had, a, we must not have had the conversation about how i grew up wanting to be a paleontologist <laughs> because uh, as, though i love jeff goldblum in jurassic park that is not he is not everything i love about jurassic park gosh this analogy is not working um but i'm just saying like like i feel like you know they're taking i mean anyway um I, I think, uh, anyway, I'll just go, never mind, this, we'll drop that, that didn't work, oh, we cut this out, um, I don't even know where I was, oh, okay, well, okay, so, Sicario 2, um, yeah, I mean, I, I had, uh, high expectations for it, I thought it delivered, um, I, I, when it opened, I will say, uh, well, I appreciated the fact that this movie is just bleak as hell. Like, I, 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 I like the idea of a movie that just knows we're circling the drain and just embraces that with a giant bear hug. Like, I, I, I like the just the completely um, like there's no good guys whatsoever. Like, 
Emily Blunt was her character was like the one, you know, person who was kind of like challenging the evil stuff that was going on and like, you know, trying she was sort of like an audience surrogate. Yeah, and um, she fails <laughs> miserably by the end. And and I mean like that is yeah, and and that's kind of like the point of the first one is that like, you know, also too is that like the you know the the good guys don't always win and shit like that everything's fucked up and um and now they've eliminated her like her character is not in the movie which makes sense um from what happens in the last one um and now it's just just all bad people and it's like well like i appreciate the fact that they just go all in on the the badness like that um, that just showing you like that all sides are are fucked up, um, and uh, yeah, I mean like in the beginning I was kind of like eh, I don't know about this, but then once it like once I see I saw like what they were doing, um, I, I definitely I definitely had to give them props for it, and like I, I will say like you know like I said the beginning of this movie is like dark as hell, like I was like. You know, are we sure we're not watching like the first purge or something? Like, because, like, you know, like, I feel like usually, like, when you get like grim stuff like this, you know, like, I've been vocal about like, I think the purge movies are just stupid and like, they're just like so grim. There's like no entertainment value in any of those movies. Um, and you know, it's just like, it's, it's almost like grim for grim's sake, like, there's nothing to it. Um, and I'm some, sure some people would argue, uh, the same for this movie, but, uh, I don't, I just, this is a much like better crafted and executed movie. Uh, but I also think it stays kind of still firmly planted in the movie world too, because, um, you know, just things that happen toward the end of the movie and stuff with, uh, Benicio's character are extremely implausible and, uh, like borderline absurd, but, uh, like, I, I thought it really entertaining, like, movie-wise. I, I think, like, um, I, I I thought it had the same, like, uh, feeling and intensity of, like, a Catherine Bigelow movie. Like, I, I feel like, especially, like, her later stuff, like... I definitely Zero, got Zero Dark Thirty vibes yeah, <laughs> from this movie. Like, Zero Dark Thirty and Hurt Locker, where they're blending uh, realism and, and and real events with uh, with an action movie. Um so yeah, like I, I mean, I really like this movie. Uh, I think it fits well with like, I feel like, you know, a lot of the movies I've liked this year have just been these really nihilistic, uh, the feel bad movie of the year, you know, stuff like that. The feel bad movie we need right now. Um, yeah, like you were never really here and, uh, the Fahrenheit 451, the new one that Ramin Barani did. Uh, I think all these movies like fit together very nicely. Um, uh, but I, I, you know, I like that they're, that they, they take the risk and they, they, uh, it's done really well. Um, so yeah, like I obviously, I feel like it's pretty, I feel like this tracks like that I'm on board with this and now Steven will tell me why I'm completely wrong. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, I'm assuming that Chris didn't like it either because it's unlikable characters and stuff. I don't know. But, uh, I feel like at least from my end, it's pretty on brand that, like, I, like, would defend this movie. Um, but, I mean, you know, 
Sure, and, and so you do if, you. Do but, you. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. So that seems like a a, a good enough segue <laughs> um, to to get out all of our feelings. So one thing I'm going to say is, I at least partly agree with you in that I think this movie builds on the bleakness of the first one. I think it's construction if you ignore the plot, which is dumb as hell and gets very, very, very dumb by the end of this movie, which I imagine with Chris's head nodding is going to be part of his problem with this movie. Uh-oh. Um, but if you, if, if I ignore the plot part, I think this builds mood pretty well. It builds that like dark, bleak sense of violence. There are definitely moments that are intense and thrilling. And I don't think it is as good at that as the first movie. Like, Historically, the first movie, when we reviewed it, Chris and I, I was, like, medium on it. I, I really liked the first half. I liked the Juarez scenes. I thought the the way Denis Villeneuve built Dread was very, very good. But I felt like the movie didn't have a point. And I felt by the end of the movie, it was just spiraling into ridiculousness. Um, and this movie is basically that second half of the movie just extended for a whole sequel, right? This is a movie that is just... All Benicio del Toro being ridiculous and absent the posturing of a point. So, from a filmmaking stance, if I could like totally separate that from how I felt about it, I would kind of be on board. I would be like, this is a B version. It's more ridiculous than the first, but tonally speaking, it's like constructed well and it it hits those feelings. What I really, really, really disliked about this movie is the same thing that I'm realizing I just don't like about Taylor Sheridan at all, which is that I think Sicario, the original, postured as being this movie that had, like, big things to say. Like, I feel like Taylor Sheridan's a dick, right? We Chris and I saw him do a Q&A after Hell or High Water. And, like, which was we, the best Q&A I've ever seen. Yeah, but, like, you know, we, we wanted to see Chris Pine and, Pine and Jeff Bridges talk about stuff, and instead drunk Taylor <laughs> Sheridan is like, here's what... Let race me talk in to America. You about cops. <laughs> Let me tell you what'll really solve race in America. And it's just like Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Nobody is here to see you right now. Oh, I yeah. I mean, I'm he does have a very slappable face. I'm not gonna yeah. I'll give you that. He he is very slappable. Well he also um, got he also got I don't know if you heard he got in trouble, which made me laugh on uh Wind River. Um, you know, this isn't a spoiler, but like, you know, it opens with a woman getting murdered, a Native American woman, and she, like, people got mad because, like, he went around boasting, like, oh, yeah, like, my movie's so sick, guys, because I got all Native American cast members, and then, like, the woman who gets killed in the beginning was, like, half she, like, was, like, maybe, like, you know, so they got mad that he, like, went around saying, like, it's authentic, and boo. Yeah. Anyway. That, that seems on brand. But so, <laughs> so I feel like w- what frustrated me about Sicario is it had like the first half of a movie that feels like like a Catherine Bigelow movie. It's like this is going to tell me something powerful and it's going to use violence to set the mood to convey a real time and place or convey a feeling. And I think like Zero Dark Thirty has its haters and I'm not among them like maybe if i rewatched it now i would have nitpicks but i i liked zero dark 30 at the time i think it it showed a real world where morality was gray and bleak and people were not always making the right decision but it was telling a story about a real thing and like it, it served a purpose and sicario the way it goes off the rails in the end it is serving no purpose like it, it I, I called it like rock against bush 
the movie version where it's like, I'm angry. I'm a bunch of junior hires mashing our heads to Green Bay saying, like, fuck the government. But I don't have a clue what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't actually know what I'm talking about. And this movie from the opening, it's got, like, suicide bombers saying Alu Akbar and then exploding like a Kmart in front of us with innocent people and children and the camera lingers so it can get just another explosion and then another. And right from the get go, I felt like you fucking better have an idea what you're doing, right? Like you better have a really, really good idea that justifies making the movie this bleak in this real life. And And, and not to be too spoilery, but there's literally a scene later on in the film that explains that it was not worth doing that. Yeah, right, right, right. So, so and the movie goes on and there's like a scene in Somalia that is very Zero Dark Thirty where it's like I'm going to show like government torture and really cruel things that people would do in a time of war. And I all hope that, that wasn't the pool boy. <laughs> <laughs> like all of that could be fine, right? Like any anything can be used in any movie. Like I'm not a purist about any of that, but – the way, the way this movie just did it to double down on bleakness only to like not have any point except the bleakness like i don't think this movie has like an evil point i don't think it's trumpian or whatever people are calling it i just think this movie doesn't know what it's doing and it like decided that the border is a good place to tell this like super nihilistic bleak 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 story and to to me it just like angered me i i couldn't enjoy it it was the the kind of darkness that you talk about with the Purge movies, Carson, where it just felt like it was piling on darkness to be like edgecore or something, and it wasn't doing anything interesting or new with it. Like, I'm I'm watching Game of Thrones now, finally, and the thing, I, I like Game of Thrones because I like the palace intrigue, I like all the, like, clever twisting and strategy and all the stuff in column A. And I don't like when Game of Thrones is just, like, let's linger on violence and incest and let's like linger on all these like dark things just for the fuck of it. Right. And this movie to me just felt like a let's be as dark as possible for no good reason. And it it made me mad. I, I I thought it was like just not a good way to handle the movie. It it just felt gross. I don't know. I, I didn't like, I felt the dread and I felt a little bit of the fist pumping by the end, but I just like yeah, hated myself for it. Like, there, there was nothing fun to me about watching the movie. So that's how I feel like I, I think it did a fine job. I just, did, I really didn't like what it went. And I didn't feel like it had like Denis Villeneuve or Emily Blunt or Deacons, like, like any of these things that could elevate it into at least feeling artful. It just kind of felt like dour for no good reason. Yeah, so I think that uh, the first time we went around for Sicario, I, I liked it the least out of everybody. Um, uh, I, I gave it a wait for rental. Um, I think, Stephen, you were at a Reckoner of the Caveat. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just sort of like, there were moments of it that I really loved, but overall, kind of as Stephen's been saying, I didn't really see the point of the film or know what it was doing. Um, uh, as you guys have sort of touched on, that film did have Emily Blunt. There is the per- like the rational mind who is witnessing this firsthand. She's sort of an audi- audience surrogate who's like, hey, uh, I don't know if any of this is right. Um, we're supposed to get 
on on her side. Uh, Benicio del, del Toro is like basically the main subject of the film. He's like this hitman who's working with this mercenary group to like try to do all this shit and accomplish goals even beyond the reach they have. Um, there are these moments in that first film that are just absolutely fantastic. The first time that they go into Juarez in their little like caravan, so much like you really get a sense of like, fuck, this place is scary. Like these cartels are gnarly. They're completely unchecked. Um, they're just a very scary, formidable force to exist. And you're kind of like, I don't know if we have the right to go fight them, but I can see why they'd be bad guys that we would want to stop because they're just like chopping people up and hanging them from the streets and um like there's at least some sense of like okay even if we're going about it the wrong way maybe it's okay to fight these these people um in this film um like it tries to do scenes like that 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 like so in that initial border scene like it's just people going through a border checkpoint (laughs) like doing their routine movements and you're just like Oh shit! What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And in this film, you're like, oh, they're doing another border run. They're gonna be in a caravan. We know the caravan has to get ambushed at sometimes, but that dread's not there. And I don't know if that's a symptom of just this being a second film and you're seeing a scene that you've already seen before. Um, but it didn't even build the tension in that same way. I remember being on the edge of my seat in the first film, just wondering when if people who were like people who have guns who are scared to use them potentially going to use them like there was just just this idea of like who's going to shoot first what's going to happen how is this going to go down in this film it's like okay when are people going to start firing at each other because we know that has to happen because that's the film we're watching um i think that in general i i i'm fine with the idea of the government has decided that terrorists or that 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 um that the cartels are essentially terrorist groups and they're going to treat them like that. I'm kind of fine with that being the jumping off point for the story. It doesn't really justify how that connection is made. <laughs> um, it, in fact, goes back on itself as far as the justification that it makes. Um, so that is somewhat problematic. But in general, I just think this story is wholly uninteresting. <laughs> um, I, I never really feel the same sense um, of dread that I felt in the previous film. I'm just watching people try to be... Um, on, like it, it's like when you watch the later seasons of 24 where you're like oh is Jack Bauer just going to punch a woman out a window yes he is like you're just waiting for them to do the bad stuff that is off the book and under the like outside the watch of the the government you have like you know the the the, the guy in the suit back in Washington who's like I'm not going to tell you what to do I'm signing off. You make the decision on your end. Like everybody's going to be like, Oh, plausible deniability. We're going to do bad shit. And I don't think that there's a fun level to that. It's not a person going off book, doing the necessary thing to be good. It's just a person being like, Oh, we're unchecked and we're going to do yeah, all it's sorts of shit. It's not the equalizer. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, like, oh man, um, dude, the equalizer too looks like a straight up comedy. I'm so down for that. <laughs> oh one. my gosh. Why is there like a lift ad in like the beginning of the trailer? <laughs> Amy's it's, getting five stars. I'm like, just I'm they, like they yeah, you. I'm like, I'm down, but also <laughs> like, uh, this kind of looks straight to video, straight to HBO Go for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I don't know. But, but anyway, Sorry, so I, I, feel, I feel like this film is just a retread of the last one without any like upping the ante or upping the stakes. Like the the, the last film had a young boy that we watch seemingly and unconsequentially go about his life on the side who will eventually be plugged into the store to be a major connection to the events at the end of the film um and yeah. this film is like well i mean well, jurassic world was so well written too you know 
I, I, I didn't say Jurassic World was a fantastic film. Um, I know, but you're putting your nitpick hat back on. But you had it off, surprisingly, for uh, for that movie. No, but I, I said Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was dumb as hell. But I know I you still did, but it. you forgave when you normally would just not forgive. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I just found this film... It it was it was just too, it was too silly from the standpoint of like, why are you making this film other than just to make another one? It doesn't have a sympathetic character that we can follow. I mean, technically, the the daughter of the the drug cartel. So here's here's the other thing too, right? Outside of the ambush scene, we never really see the drug cartel act at all. The only people we're seeing are terrorists who may or may not be connected to the drug cartel and uh, the mercenary group. Who's doing shit uh, outside of the law? Yeah, so like, the government is for sure the bad guys here, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the deep state bad guys. Yeah, and and there's never a scene where we see the cartel chopping people up and hanging them from freeway overpasses. We see one guy shoot a kid in the head toward the end of the movie. Oh yeah. Well, let's see. He wouldn't want to be a soldado, dude. Pushed yeah, yeah we, we yeah we see that after the crazy events like that. Yeah, but we that would have been boring though. Like we don't need to see the cartel. We know what they're up. We know they're up to shady shit. But but I I mean imagine going into this film, like I I just think that this film doesn't justify the enemy being an enemy at all. It just goes like, yeah, isn't it cool that we can just do whatever the fuck we want and go into Mexico and shoot at things? Just because like, the real enemy is us. <laughs> yeah, like that, that's, that's the level of the smartness is. of this movie. It just, it, I know. To me, it feels like a 13 year old who's just like, fuck the government, man. <laughs> and it's like, uh, continue. I don't know. I, I mean, like, fuck him. <laughs> I mean, I, yes, I, I, I kind of, I don't know, but I kind of, I kind of like that aspect of just like, it's fucking dark, man. Everybody sucks. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a hypocrite because, again, like, there's certain punky things where, like, they're not making a big point and I can still get behind it. This one just didn't, it didn't do anything to make me root for it, you know? Like, the, it didn't make me want to give it the benefit of the have fun. I guess there, maybe there also. Are things too, there, there are things, too, though, like, that, like, Carson, you made allusions to Benicio Del Toro's arc in this film. And I feel that, like, the end of his arc in this film feels like it was shot a year after they finished making this film because the first test audience didn't like the, the film. So, like, whoa, what if we add this stuff to the end? Wouldn't that make it cool? And people would be like, fuck yeah, by the end of the film. And it's like, when I was watching it, I was like, really? That's what, like, like this movie, this movie, the, the first movie is called Sicario, which means Hitman. And it's basically about Benicio Del Toro. And this, film, this fucking film is called Hitman colon the soldier. But Benicio Del Toro is also the soldier. Like, it's just, it's just Benicio Del Toro colon Benicio Del Toro. And I just don't get like what this film is trying to do. Oh my gosh. This is a new one. <laughs> Just when is this title gonna make sense? <laughs> I, I just, know. I mean, there, there's literally a character says the line, "So you want to be a Sicario?" Yeah. And here's the thing: that motherfucker doesn't want to actually be a Sicario, <laughs> dude. In Sicario Three, he's gonna fuck him up. I just, I, I like, even if you take an action that character makes earlier on in the film as motivation for his character, he did that under duress. So you can't even use that as the motivation for the character because he was forced to do that. Well, apparently Taylor Sheridan has a master plan for a Sicario trilogy, um, which he apparently. Yeah, his I, master plan is to make any money at all. 
I mean, I I'll give him credit in the fact that like he delivered on his promise of it being very a very dark movie. Um, I, I mean, I I think that he is a strong writer. I do think that he um, needs other people to direct his shit because Wind River was not good. Um, I thought that um, so yeah, like like in this case, I feel like it is elevated by. The and maybe that maybe you know maybe the writing is uh, simply elevated by the other technical aspects of the movie. But I mean, I think that all of that is really strong. Just kind of going back to, you know, I agree that the first movie is better directed. Like Denny, obviously, a little more artfully directed in the first one. This is just going for a pure like almost B movie action approach, which is kind of what I was getting at at the Jurassic Park Lost World thing, where it was like Lost World is definitely more going going for more action adventure B movie route. Um, but I think Stefano Salima, um, which I feel like if you have a name like that, you definitely got to be a badass. Um, <laughs> I feel like he did a really good job though. Um, I mean, I felt like he kept the, the intensity up. Like I, I thought the whole movie was intense. Like they, they play that Sicario score and like, I'm my butthole's puckered, man. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm in I it. was puckered. Yeah, and then at the end, it's just all like, and I'm like, oh man, Johan, pour one out, um, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, like, it's, um, I mean, I thought it was extremely well made. Um, And like I said, in the beginning, I was a little wary because, you know, it starts off just incredibly fucking bleak. And I'm just like, I don't, maybe I don't want to see this, Jonesy. And then like... You know, and then I you start to see how it's all coming together. And I was like, all right, now I can get behind this. I'm like, I'm just going to, it's the end times. I'll just embrace it. Sure. Let's go with it. Um, and uh, yeah. And I, I mean, like I said, I'll, of course, like, I mean, this is, I've, I feel like I've, I've said this many, many, many times of like, yeah, no point. Great. No likable characters. Great. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. I feel like that movie has all this. And I, I thought that it was um, incredibly ballsy of them to just go all in and be like, all right, yeah, that's how it's going to be. Like, it's so fucking, it's so fucking bleak that I, I don't even know what Sicario 3 would be. Like, it, I feel like the world is just going to end. Sicario 3, the, the world ends. Um, at the world's end uh, yeah I don't. <laughs> like it's gonna it's literally gonna be like the end of escape from la where kurt russell just turns off earth like benicio just gonna be like adios <laughs> and then we're dead <laughs> and, and this movie was hinting at that in the trailers right because a big line from the trailers is this time no rules and it's right. like whoa you mean last time when he murdered a whole family that was <laughs> yeah. rules that was those, rules those are rules whoa dude <laughs> yeah and again like you know like all of the all of the like zingers and lines in this movie, I feel like uh, they have like a certain level, like they have that movie quality. Like there's almost a certain level of absurdity to it. Like, I don't know if Steven will agree, but I feel like there is, I I feel like there's almost a like killing of a sacred deer, Yorgos Lanthimos. Like we're, we're getting close to that territory. Like I feel like, Catherine Keener's character, especially like she's she the w- closest. To yeah, that. I, like, I can I can see that for her. Which, by the way, Catherine Keener being evil villain in a sequel that's like her new typecast, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she was just like ice blood, 
ice blood cold in this movie. Um, but it was that weird disaffected tone, like a Yorgos thing, where yeah, she seems to just be like, "Kill all the children. We don't." <laughs> she care. was she was one like she was okay, one like government. <laughs> she was one like flatly executed line away from telling Josh Brolin that she jerked off her dad when she was younger. <laughs> But like it, it, even her character though is it's always serving a thing right we can't let this get tied back to the to the united states right she's at least mm-hmm. her evilness is facilitating a thing that you understand that governs her actions all the other characters are like fucking we just go in there and do whatever we want because there's no rules she's at least like hey clean this up yeah i Everyone mean else uh, yeah just, but she's kind of like clean it up but like i don't care how you do it type of thing you know, like, clean it up, no rules. <laughs> like, like, so to me, one structural issue is that if you, like, zoom out and try to describe what happened in this movie, like, the the path that Benicio and uh, Josh Brolin and the little girl go on, it's very, like, nothing needed to happen, right? There's no, like, point A to point B, which is okay. Like, I get the point of the Sicario movies is kind of, like, it's all crazy. It's all meaningless. You know, it's a very nihilistic view of the world. But there's just something weird about the plot plot mechanism where it's like, okay, we're going to cross the border, and then we're going to cross the border. Oh, fuck, now you need to cross the border. And like that, that's like the whole movie. It Like, I, mean, I, I wanted to it, see I, things escalate in a way that was more like... I, I, I don't know. I, I wanted it to be more predictable, kind of, because I wanted to th- see the stakes get amped with this cartel war and at least then feel like it was building towards some kind of major finale instead of kind of, you know, zigzagging back and forth in this desert. Well, I, I think I think the basics of the plot make sense, right? Their plan to start the drug war makes sense. And I think even they're crossing the border multiple times. They do it once in helicopters. Then they have to, as part of their... Uh, cover story for how they ended up with this person in their possession they have to maintain it the way they would if they were doing that on duty so like i'm fine with that i just think that like the overall where they're going um doesn't make sense like once things get messed up like i I don't know it just it just feels like a thing where it's like the plan was simple it went awry they're just supposed to clean up the plan now but they're still putting themselves in danger in situations where it doesn't feel like they need to and we don't really I think if this film ended before the time jump, then we we could go like, oh, all the shit's going to really hit the fan after this. But the fact that it just jumps in time and we aren't caught up to what happened in the year <laughs> that, that takes place. Like, you just tried to start a drug war with a major freaking drug cartel. And then you jump forward a year and don't even reference whether or not that worked or what's going on. Scott you just go for, like, eh, we're on this Sicario other story 3, now. dude. Yeah, so I'm okay with that because I see the end as like a post credit scene and maybe the next movie goes back. Yeah. But it just, I, I don't know, like again, like maybe as the middle part of a trilogy, I get it a little more. Like maybe it's the Empire Strikes Back type situation, but I, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. It just added to the meaninglessness, you know, like it already, I was already turned off by the the use of current events and the like, like I'm not going to say this movie is necessarily like xenophobic or racist or anything, but it's certainly like, stirring really gross feelings about that like like it makes me clench for that reason too where i'm just like oh this is like so terribly close to shit that we have to worry about already in current events um and and that like like it would have been nice for it to give me some point or some kind of goofy finale that would have made me be like 
all right, but like you ramped up the silly, and I get it. And it like when it's just going in circles, biding its time till the next one, it it just makes me like less generous toward it. So all I'm left with is the tone that it's giving you, which is not I don't I don't know not pleasant. And, and, and like it, I I'm kind of okay with the idea that people are worth more money than cocaine. So drug cartels would shift from moving cocaine to moving people instead. I'm fine with that as an idea and a concept. The way they try to like shoehorn that into like, well, what if they were smuggling terrorists? Isn't that a great idea? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it just it just felt really weird, especially with that scene towards the end where they're like, well, where? we <laughs> we looked it up. They're from they was Col- from Joyzy. Yeah. It just seemed like so what? dumb. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it off my. Uh... I did like the um I did like the little little touches like when the when the like suburban mom pulled up in her minivan to pick up the one kid. I was like, how do you get that job? <laughs> I was like, this this is fucked up, man. Also, why does the kid need like <laughs> a white lady with a baby to smuggle him across the border? They make a huge point of the fact that he has a passport and can just cross freely. Yeah, but if you're with the white lady, they're not going to stop her. He could be on a bicycle and be like, here's my passport. And they'd be like, cool. You can't well, that, smuggle anything on your bike. Uh, that might look suspicious, dude. I don't know. I, I don't even know why I'm I'm questioning this. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was interesting because it seems like something that that... I, I mean, it, it kind of felt like uh, a thing where like Taylor Sheridan read an article about like soccer moms who... <laughs> carpool with drug people you know something like that and he was like i'm putting that in the movie uh it kind of felt like that but i don't know it was a little little interesting nugget to put in there um yeah i don't know where i was going with that yeah i i didn't mind that part again, again like the plot was dumb but the dumbness didn't bother me that much i was already just turned off by other stuff i did find it fascinating sort of to be like like the whole time I was watching, I was like, what if this was your job? Like, what if that you've like, you had Josh Brolin or like Catherine Keener's job? Like, that'd be like, so like, you just have to be so just like, oh, I don't care. Yeah. Like just ice, like ice cold, man. Yeah. This is how Crazy. you become Thanos for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thanos origin story. Um, yeah. So should we get to verdicts guys? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I was going to say, since we probably aren't going to have a spoiler section, but uh, I will say the girl in it, uh, who was the girl from the last Transformers movie. Uh, oh, I didn't I, recognize her. I thought yeah, she was actually, I thought she was good in this. Like, she was kind of annoying in the last Transformers, but she was, uh, she did a good job in this movie. Yeah, um, she, she's fine. And the end of the movie is, uh, again, pretty fucked up, but... Uh, I enjoyed it. The last like thirty second shot of her face oh, in the helicopter. I don't, I don't know. Burn. I was so off board by then. I'm gonna edit this out, but should... did I miss it? Like they rescue her at the end of the movie, right? Yeah, but it's just like a thirty second shot of her like catatonic face because she's just like irreparable. Irrep- I mean, this is the in the Sicario universe, like women show up and just get broken by this terrible, terrible world, and then they get discarded at the end of the movie. And then Josh Brolin says, like, you should be grateful we're saving you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
That is that's definitely their mo. Well, I think Sicario <laughs> Three is going to be him throwing out of the helicopter to get the Soul Stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Anyways, so yeah, I'm just sad Soldado O'Brien didn't make a cameo in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, now can we finally get to verdicts, guys? <laughs> yeah. All right. Carson Patrick, if you're going to give this a must-see, recommend the caveat, wait for until pass the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, we're, you're, you're easy to shop for at Christmas. I don't celebrate Christmas. Well, you will this year. <laughs> must-see. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for... Uh... Uh, I think pass for the caveat <laughs> is how I feel. Oh, because that's my favorite line. <laughs> so funny. I, I'm going to pass for the caveat because the movie made me like very angry again. I think it's reckless. I think it like traffics in ideas and imagery that just isn't worth. Alongside of the people in terrorists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that isn't worth subjecting yourself to. I think it does it in a decently well-made way if you take away the plot so like i'll give it credit that it did what it set out to do i just don't like what it set out to do and i don't think it's worth watching uh i'm gonna give this film a one kid jumping out of a truck for no goddamn reason um and i think that translates to a must avoid (laughs) wow no so no redeeming qualities whatsoever i think this lacked the things that redeemed the first film I at least enjoyed the tone and like the style of the first film and like those moments of incredible tension. And I think that the few redeeming moments in this film dealt with like basically just how they handled the girl like in that one building to convince her that they were the good guys. Um, When I saw that part, I was like, this is the part Chris likes. (laughs) I was like, yeah, yeah, nice. I like this. Um, and then uh, that was pretty much the only part that I thought was pretty decent. <laughs> no, you didn't like anything else. You didn't think the cinematography was good, the acting you, was good. You know I don't see cinematography. I know. That's why, why do you even have a movie podcast? I don't even understand. Sometimes I don't understand these things. I care about story, Carson, and dialogue. I know. This just, film was just, not very good. Just like every other basic. The dialogue was in some language I don't understand. <laughs> story I, first. I, I don't know. They kept talking in, in Spanish and in <laughs> sign language, and I just didn't understand it. Story first, you know, but Jurassic World, recommend, even though I thought it was dumb. How do you speak sign language? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty badass, though. Of course really? he speaks sign language. He's Benicio del Toro. Come on. He speaks everything. But Carson, yeah. why would a soldier know sign language? So? Why would a dinosaur sell why would a dinosaur sell for attorney. four million dollars? Why would a You're dinosaur sell four million dollars? What whose family million. they killed? Why would Buffalo Bill go in the cage and try and steal the fucking teeth? <laughs> when he knows he's gonna get eaten, okay? Should know better than that. Put my hey, million hey, dollar hey, skin. For the record, I'm the one in that episode that justified that decision from that guy. <sighs> I don't know, man. Anyways, this review is done. <laughs> <laughs> Carson Patrick, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they find I'm you? Just gonna crawl back into my hole. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Sicolio. <laughs> crawl back. <laughs> 
into my own asshole. <laughs> Cornholio 2. <laughs> uh, Carson, you, day of the Patrick. <laughs> you can find me, like, just lurking people's letterbox reviews. I guess where you can find me. Cool. I'm, really, I, I'm really fascinated with letterbox now. Because it's, like, all the same reviews. Like, they're all, like, it's almost like you have to be pretentious to write reviews on Letterboxd. And I'm not oh, saying just... There's a subculture you haven't found yet of very unpretentious <laughs> Letterboxd like, reviews. But, but like, I and it's not just Steve. Like, there's this guy that Sarah and I know that, like, is the, has, like, the funniest letterbox. It's, like, it's, like, little haikus of pretension that are, like, so far up its own ass that it makes Steven's reviews look like Tucker Max. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. It's what I've been striving for my whole life. Like, so... Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just, so, St- Steven Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week. They can find me in hell where I hope they serve beer. <laughs> <laughs> or they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at SpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Sakaar. Day of the Soldado. So hopefully you were enjoying that. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Carson. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> I do not so, know how to Day say, of the say, say things <laughs> sincerely because I have a robot heart. <laughs> What's the next Josh Brolin movie that you're coming back for? Uh, I don't know. He's got a Netflix new Jody Hill movie out this Friday. Oh, yeah? I don't know if you guys want to watch that, but uh, yeah. I think he's done for the year. He, but... He's not doing a Labor Day 2 Day of the Peach Cobbler? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this Peach Cobbler. Uh, I, I saw. I saw. I snapped my fingers and the peaches. Let me get to that. I... <laughs> I saw Call Me By Your Name, and I got inspired to make a new Peach movie. <laughs> Did I make a James and the Giant Peach joke in our Call Me By Your Name review? <clears throat> I don't remember. I would watch Josh Brolin as Thanos uh, in a Labor Day remake. <laughs> that would be good. I'm going to show your mom how to make Peach Pie. You're going to become a man right now. <laughs> And then Tobey Maguire, as Spider-Man, as Peter Parker, shows up at the end to narrate it. That would be Naturally. good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh... <laughs> I think we've ended it like five times. <laughs> yeah. I probably just cut out earlier. <laughs> this is all gold, dude. You gotta leave that in. <laughs>